Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that we can lean on your everlasting arms, that we can come to you in times of need, that we can come to you in times of joy. Lord, as we uh, discuss your word today, as we look through your prophet Habakkuk, as we look at what it is to have faith in times of adversity, Lord, I pray that you would um, give us more faith, Lord. We believe, help our unbelief, that we may trust in you and know that you are in control, that you are sovereign over all, and that you work all things to the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Lord, I pray that you would conform us to the image of your Son today and every day after until your Son comes back. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Today I would like to talk about um, what it is to have faith in times of adversity. What it is when we sometimes feel or we wonder, is God listening to us? Does God hear our prayers? Does God hear what we are lamenting? Does God know the troubles that we're going through? And when we sometimes uh, get to these points and we're caught up in the moment of trouble or we see injustice prevail, we see that the wicked are prospering, we see that those around us, the corrupt Uh, administration or the corrupt uh, government or the corrupt anyone, our bosses or anything, and we say, will there be justice? And you see those who are seeking to do good, those who are seeking after the Lord, be uh, attacked and persecuted or even um, belittled that when they are seeking the Lord, they have all these times of trouble. And you wonder, where is justice? Where is God protecting his people? Where is God when we cry out, asking, where are you, O Lord? Can you hear me? And we often get to these points, and whether it's in some grand scheme of things of, uh, in our work or in our life or in a country, or it's even just so small as dealing with somebody that is close to you, that when you are um, in a situation where things are not working out and people are just uh, being so uh, sinful towards you or, or hating you or coming at you and saying wicked things about you, that people will come and surround you and say, where is your God? You say you're a faithful follower of Christ, but where is your God in now? Why are you going through so much turmoil? And so just as David had people surround him and say, where is your God? And how Job had his family, was his wife and his friends say, well, why don't you just stop following him? We're going to look at what it is <clears throat> that we should be doing in these times and know that we can trust in God, knowing that he is above all things. And that we can look to him for 
protection, that we can look to him for deliverance because he is the God of all. So we're going to be in Habakkuk, which is in the Minor Prophets, in between Nahum, in between Nahum and Zephaniah. And so we'll be in Habakkuk today, going through the first chapter. And next week we'll continue on with God's response, and we'll be discussing chapter 2. Habakkuk was most likely in their time before Babylon came down and took over Judah. So Assyria was reigning and over the northern kingdom, and the people in Judah were living uh, so corruptly. The government, the, the, the priests, the officials, all of the people in power were dealing unjustly to the, the ones who were seeking after God. That there was, it was a corrupt land. There was no justice. The law was paralyzed, as Habakkuk says. And so we will discuss Habakkuk's cry to God and God's response to him. And so let us go and read Habakkuk chapter 1. <clears throat> the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And will you not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see inequity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth and seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gathered captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. They sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained them as judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. You who are purer of pure eyes than see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors 
and are silent when the wicked swallows up. The man more righteous in the swallows up the man more righteous than he. You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook, and he drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. What we have here in Habakkuk is Habakkuk coming to the Lord and complaining about what was going on in Israel, what was going on in Jerusalem, that there was no justice, there was the law was paralyzed. No one was seeking they, after God, and nobody was looking to be righteous. But instead, they were perverting justice. Everything was corrupt. They were contentious against each other, and there was strife amongst each other. And so he cries out to God, Why? Do you cause me to see inequity? Why do you not hear me? Why do you not hear my cries when I cry out violence? And so the Lord answers him to say that he's going to take the Chaldeans and pull them down, this great fierce nation that fears nobody, that they look to themselves as their own God, They don't think there's anything stronger than them. But instead, God's going to take them and bring them down and use them for Jerusalem's discipline. Habakkuk comes again to a second complaint to God saying, well, if you're going to judge us, your people, and cause us to be disciplined, what about those who are wicked that are going to come and bring destruction on Jerusalem. And so next week we'll talk about God's answer to that. But today we'll continue on to talk about what it is to trust in God and turn to him. We struggle through adversity just like Habakkuk did. Just as the people of Jerusalem, there was no law, there was Everybody was biting at each other, and there was no justice. We often find ourselves in these same positions, and we being hurt and attacked by other people, being lied to, being slandered, having people speaking evil against us. And we see injustice everywhere, even today, as there's a cry out for justice. And it seems like God is so far away, or that God has abandoned us. We see that injustice prevails, and we wonder, where is our hope? And that the sin of the world is just so relentless, 
And disobedience is the norm. Disobedience against the law and against God is commonplace. People rise up and say that their strength and their might is their own God. People look at justice and turn it to their favor. So how can we look in these times of trouble like Habakkuk did, turning to God? We must first recognize that we must turn to God. Habakkuk did not stop and just feel defeated, but instead he turned to the one who he knew reigned forever. He went to the Lord and said, How long shall I cry for help? He knew that there was God out there. He knew that the God of Israel, who delivered them out of the house of slavery of Egypt, was there. But he was desperately crying out, How long will this injustice be? Why do you make me see inequity? So when he cried out and he turned to God, he looked for he looked for justice and he looked for what God was going to do. And God turned to him and spoke to him. He said, "Look among the nations and see and wonder and be astounded. For I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. God is working in a way that we do not understand. God's ways are higher than our ways. God's wisdom is wiser than ours. In Psalm 13, verses 1 through 2, David cries out, just as Habakkuk did, looking to God for answers. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? And he continues in verse 3 and 4. Consider and answer me, O God, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep and sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David, just like Habakkuk, turned to God and said, Well, will you do something about this? And so in our times of troubles, when we have people prevailing over us, when we have things that just seem so difficult that we don't know if we can continue on, we have to turn to God. We have to look to him and ask, will you help me? And know and remember his promises. Christ even did this while on this earth. 
when he was hanging on the cross, they heard him say, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. He was quoting Psalm 22. In the beginning of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far off from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer me. And by night, but I find no rest. Christ, as taking on the sin of man, taking on the burden and the wrath of God, felt separated from God, the Father. He felt distant, and he said, Why have you forsaken me? And this psalm continues on with many things that were prophesied that were fulfilled there. But just like David, as we read in our Psalm or in our scripture reading today in Psalm 32, your hand was heavy upon me. I've, David felt distant because he was turning away from God in his sin. And we're told to draw near to God, to cleanse our hands, to repent, to look to God. And so when we feel distant, and when we feel maybe that God is far away, we must consider, is it that we are sinning against him? Is there something we must repent from? Just like Jerusalem, there were wicked, wicked people at this time. And it felt as though God was abandoning them. But in faith, Habakkuk turned and cried out to God. And so we must do that too and turn to God just as David did in Psalm 32. But then I remembered and I turned from my sins and I confessed my sins. And God replies to him, come to me willingly. Don't make me put a bridle in your mouth, drawing you like a mule. But sometimes, often this adversity is, comes because of discipline on our lives. We must trust in God's wisdom. In God's answer to Habakkuk, he said that I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation. And he describes the Chaldeans, and he says that they're going to come and bring judgment upon Jerusalem. As I spoke a, f a few, I think, last month about discipline, that God disciplines his children, but the other nations will get their reward, their judgment in the day of the Lord. But we must trust in God's wisdom, knowing that he knows what he's doing. He is sovereign over all nations, even the nations who think that they're mighty and they think that they're stronger than everybody they think that they have the most supreme army and they worship themselves even those people are nothing compared to the strength of our god in isaiah 55 verses 8 through 9 god says for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are my ways your your ways my ways declares the lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
So are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. God's wisdom is supreme over anything we can ever do. Not only is God sovereign and in control of all things that we face, he knows what's going to happen. He knows what has happened. He perfectly controls the king's hearts in his hand like water. Psalm 37, when David is going on about how long will he have to deal with these evil people, it starts as fret not what evildoers do. But he continues on in verses 7 through 9. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the land. There's a promise here in that we see there is going to be judgment on those who don't seek after the Lord. But those who seek in faith to the, to the Lord, he will cause everything to work to our good. He knows everything. When Joseph was taken by his brothers and almost killed and then sold into slavery and brought down to Egypt, Joseph replied after the brothers came and it was revealed that Joseph was their brother and that he was there and sent for a purpose. That even though there was evil intentions that happened to Joseph, that he knew and he trusted in God that God will work all of these things out in adversity and even be sovereign over these things of adversity to cause his will to be done. In Genesis 50, verse 20, As for you, you meant evil against me, Joseph speaking to his brothers, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph also recognized it was not about him, but it was about God saving others, about God delivering and caring for others. So often when we're in adversity, we shrink down and think about our situation only. We only think about what is happening in our lives. We think about, why is it so hard for me to continue on? Why are people speaking evil against me? Why are people hating me? Or why is there so much injustice? And we look at it, and we just look at ourselves, and we don't look at the bigger picture. That God is sovereign over all things, and he's working all things together. We see this in Romans eight twenty-eight through 29, that we know that all things, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. We must trust in the Lord in these times of adversity, knowing that he is sovereign over, our pur- over all things, and that his purposes are sure, that he desires many people to come and repent. 
He desires people to turn to him. And those who he foreknew and predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, he works all of those things. He makes this adversity conform us to him. That we would cry out to him. How long shall I cry for help, O God? Causing us to be more and more dependent on God. Knowing that he is the only one who can deliver us in times of trouble. So we must wait on God patiently. We must look to him and wait. Knowing that his plans are for our good. And for his glory. And when we wonder, when will the day of the Lord come? When will this judgment come upon this wicked, wicked people? We have to remember, just as Joseph remembered. And he took, he stepped back and looked at it and said, this was for a purpose that many people would be saved. And so we must also look, and when we wonder, where is justice Where is the day of the Lord? When is it coming? That many people will be thrown into the judgment. We have to have compassion for those who are unsaved and look to them and understand that it's God's will for people to repent and turn to him. In 2 Peter 3, verses 9 through 10, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. That all of everybody's evil deeds will be exposed, and those who are do not have faith and do not trust in Christ, will be punished and judged. But those who wait on the Lord, those who trust in the Lord in adversity, those who look to him as their deliverer will be saved. And so that we need to look at these promises and understand that God is in control. In Romans 12, verse 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. We must not take things into our own hands, but we must look to the Lord and trust in his judgment to come. Psalm 32, or Psalm 37, David says, In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you will look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. When Habakkuk came back and he was saying, well, where is this justice for the Chaldeans? In verse 12, he says, are you not the everlasting? O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. He's reminding himself that God is is the everlasting God, and he is their God. He is our God. O Lord, you have ordained them as judgment. He knows that he trusts in God's wisdom, that God will bring down the Chaldeans 
for judgment. And that God will not tolerate evil, but in the end, God will judge. God will have vengeance on the wicked. So we must turn to him. We must wait on him and have faith. In chapter 2, verse 1, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Towards the beginning of this, Habakkuk went to the Lord and said, Will you not hear me? Why don't you hear my cries, my pleas? I cry out violence. Why do you cause me to see inequity and see injustice prevail? But then, after God answers him, he continues on. And now he says, I will take stand at my watch post and station myself in the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Habakkuk turned to God, crying out for help, and when God answered him, and he was reminded of these promises, he was reminded of the character of God that he can trust in who God is, that he is the everlasting one. He is the Lord, our God, the Holy One, the holy and perfect judge. So, although we often question God's justice and we doubt that we hear, he hears us in times of troubles, we must be like Habakkuk and turn to God, crying out for help. We must wait on his answer. We must look to him. For we know that the righteous must live by faith in God and his promises. We must look to God's character and trust in who he is. And so when we are struggling with those who are coming at us, when we're struggling with injustice, we must turn to him alone and have faith in adversity. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that we can look to you, our Lord, the Holy One, the everlasting God, our rock and our deliverer, the one who holds us and protects us and keeps us. Lord, as though, uh, although we go in through times of trouble, we go through times of pain and, and we feel as though you're not there, we must look to Christ and how he came and took on so much evil that people would come after him and revile and say wicked things, slandering him, beating him, rejecting him, that the perfect Holy One came and was reviled against, but he did not revile back. That he came like a sheep, mute, to the slaughter. That he bore adversity by having faith in you. That every walk, every step that he took, he had complete faith that he was one in you and you're one in him. Let us, Lord, be conformed 
to Christ, that we would trust in him, knowing that all things work to the good of those who love you. Knowing that we can trust in you in these times, knowing that it's for our good, for our sanctification, that we will be made like you. I pray that you would work this in our hearts, that we would have faith in you in times of trouble. 